right, good morning, Finding Life Church. <laughs> Heard it over here, not so much over here. Heard it right there again. Hey, so we're in uh, this series in Luke chapter 15, and you're probably wondering why we have the Stewart family up here, but they are going to, uh, they are going to uh, live act this story for us. <laughs> they didn't know they were doing that till this morning. <laughs> so we have the dad, we have the older son, and we have the youngest, younger son. All right, so in, in, in Luke chapter 15, we've been trying to, if this flops, it's all me because they didn't know they were doing this. I was just trying to think of a creative way we could do this anyway. So here we are, in the first scene, we have the dad and the oldest son and the youngest son. And the oldest son, we find, go off, goes off into the field and he begins to work and he's not really seen in the story. So oldest son, go, and he's going to work. All right, so we have the dad and the youngest coming in the middle. And they have this, uh, they face each other and they have this conversation where, well, that's too close. <laughs> so they have this conversation, right, where um, dad doesn't know what's going on and the youngest son says, hey, I want half of my inheritance. Exactly. So he must have been a really good speaker, right? And so his dad said, sure, I'll give it to you. And at that point, then, we see the dad looking at him with tears and the son turn around <laughs> and with glee and grace, he begins to walk. So the dad goes off into his house. Tears, yes. The son comes back and we see him enter the city and he's uh, looking around. He has a lot of money. He wants to party. Give a party dance? Okay, no party dance. So he's partying, right? And all this kind of, and yeah, there you go. Just do that. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Pretty soon, though, all of his friends, the money begins to dry out, right? And um, there becomes a famine in the land, and he's getting hungry. Yeah. Hungry, and pretty soon he's lonely. Exactly. So then he says, well, I need to eat somehow. And so he finds this guy, and he says, uh, can I get a job feeding your pigs? And he does, and he feeds the pigs. <laughs> That's exactly about how I imagined to do it, right? With no joy in his heart. He begins to realize that this is no life for him. Even his dad's servants... Slaves are treated better than this. And so what does he decide to do? He says, you know what? He came to his sense, the scripture says, and he says, I'm going to go back to my dad. And so you go over there because you're walking, and then you make a U-turn, and now you're going to walk to your dad. Hold it. Step. Freeze frame. Dad comes into the picture because he sees, right, he sees his son from afar off, and he's going to run to his, like, ungracefully run to you see your son. That's pretty good. He sees his son and he wraps his arms around him. He gives him a hug and a kiss on the cheek. There you go. That is enough. And he's overjoyed to see his son, right? And his son goes, uh, Dad, I've sinned against heaven and you and I don't deserve to be your son. And Dad says, hogwash. 
We are going to throw a party for you. I'm going to give you my robe. I'm going to give you sandals. I'm going to put a ring on your finger. We'll bring out the fatted calf, right? <laughs> and what happens then? Celebrate. Celebrate, right? There's a party. That is Luke chapter 15, 11 through 24. All the while, our oldest son is still working or lazy, whatever it is. Give it up for the Stewart boys. Woo! Such a hard role. All right, so we're in this series again, and we're talking about these uh, five awakenings in Luke chapter 15. We've been spending five weeks in this particular story, looking through verses 11 through 24. And in that first, um, that first, about three weeks ago, we talked about this awakening, this realization to these longings that we have in our life. And it's these longings of, uh, that we need to be loved and we want love in return and this longing that we need to find purpose in our life. Um, and it's you know, giving us a reason why we get up in the morning, we just, um, why we do this routine day in and day out in our life. Why do we look forward to the days ahead um, as we think about the future. And then also this longing that we have to find purpose or to find meaning, I mean, in what really seems like when life doesn't treat us well or whatever it might be that we want to find or understand or have, what, what does it mean? Why, why is this stuff happening to me? And so we have these longings in our life. And, and when we begin to understand that, we want to understand that these longings come from God. And they can either draw us towards God or they can draw us away from him. And depending on which way we go. Which led us then to two weeks ago where we talked about this awakening to regret. And we recognize that our attempts to fulfill these longings on our own takes us further and further away from our Heavenly Father. And we easily find ourselves in this um, cycle that we call the sorry cycle where we have these longings that we recognize in our heart, but we don't fully recognize they're from God. And then it begins to dive into this thing called regret. And we just seem like we perpetuate the cycle of longing and regret, longing and regret. Unless we come to our senses just like the sun in our story did. And we realize that with God, that we can start over. And so we have this realization that we have these longings and they're from God, so they're not necessarily bad, right? They're God-given, which then makes us either run towards him or run away. And then we awaken to this thing called, or this realization of regret. And then he's either going to perpetuate the cycle of longing and regret, or it's going to move us out to coming to our senses and making that U-turn and coming towards God, which then led us to last week, um, which is this realization that we need help, that, that when we make that turn to come home, to come back to God, that we are admitting that we are powerless to fulfill these longings in our life and on our own. And we discover that the help that we need has a name, and that name is Jesus. I mean, that's an incredible discovery when we begin to realize these longings are from God, when we begin to realize that there's regret 
And we need to come to our senses and turn back to him and then realize and admit that I can't do this on my own. And I can't do this on my own. Church is not going to do it, right? No amount of praying or Bible study or whatever it is is going to save me. I need, I need my Savior, and this name is Jesus Christ. Which then leads us to today. Remember in the story, the son came to his senses. He made that U-turn and he's on that road, and his dad sees him, and he's running to him and embraces him. And so the son is coming home, and that's where we are. We've come home. So there's been this realization of longing, realization of regret, realization that we need help, and now that we're coming home. But even though we're home, right, the journey isn't over. And it's not these, these realizations, these awakenings in our soul are not just something that happens when we initially find our way back to God. I mean, it can be a very life-changing moment for us, but it's also a life-growing process. And so it's not only just this moment when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, but it's also understanding that it's continual growth and it's a continual process to become more like Jesus Christ. And just because we're home doesn't mean that everything is magically fixed. I would say stay away from people who tell you that if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, if you become a Christian, then you will have a bunch of wealth and you will be healthy and all of that. Because that's just not true. I don't think that says that anywhere in scripture. So sometimes when we come home, we forget who we are. We lose our identity. That's why this point today, this realization is so important because it really holds the secret to our identity as a son or as a daughter. Going back to Luke chapter 15, verses, and we're going to focus on verses 21 through 24. We see that the son returned home. But the interesting thing is, as we see the son coming home and the dad coming to him, that even though there's multiple things that he recognizes that his dad does, he's still living with a mistaken identity. We see the father running to him with compassion. And really sort of a reckless abandon, right? He pulls up whatever garment he's wearing, and it's very undignified fashion because respected men don't, didn't show their legs at that point in time. And he's running because he didn't care to embrace his son that's come home. And this is what the son says to his dad, witnessing all of that, and he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He says that even after seeing his father run after or run towards him with mercy and run towards him with compassion, and he says that even after uh, being embraced by his dad and bombarded with, which is, I'm sure, uh, incredible hugs and kisses, even after all of these unmistakable signs from the dad that he's glad that he's home and that you're uh, showing him incredible love and incredible grace. 
it's interesting to note that the son's opinion of himself doesn't catch up with this new reality. That his dad is embracing him and he has this, again, new identity. Now, I don't know, maybe you've felt that way in your life. And maybe you're here this morning and you feel that way right now. You've found your way back to God. But your longings, which um, instead of drawing you closer to your Heavenly Father, takes you places um, that are far from Him, from home. And you're left with um, hills or mountains of pain and regret in your life. And sometimes you're so burdened with shame that you still doubt that God will run towards you, that God will embrace you, that God will accept you, that God will love you. I firmly believe that the prodigal son felt incredible amount of shame. There's this phrase that... um, Shame was uh, the shadow that followed him home, and I think that's true of our prodigal son. And I think that's probably true for a lot of us here. Right? Shame wants to cast this dark, looming cloud over you coming back to your Savior. Shame wants um, wants us to forget who we are in Jesus Christ And where we belong, which is back in the arms of our Heavenly Father. And shame whispers to us, really, Kevin or whoever it might be, who are are you kidding? I mean, think through all the things that you have done in your life. You You don't deserve this. And so shame keeps us from embracing our true identity in Christ. I mean, even after we've come home, we still need to understand this incredible reality. And so while the son was still shaking his head in shame and and insisting that I'm no longer worthy to be your son, the father, though, ignores that. and, And just like Jared so incredibly well did this, he ignores his son and that says, and shouts to his um, servants, he says, I want to, in Luke 15, 22, he says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. I mean, the son, I am sure, had to be spinning. He's thinking robe or ring and sandals and all of that is for me. And and for us to understand the the depth of what the dad is doing, we need to go back into that culture and understand what each one of these gifts meant in that culture. And so um, I couldn't find an ancient robe, so we just got this. And I couldn't find ancient sandals, so um, these are not mine, so I'm touching them. Yuck. But... (laughs) Sandals, right? And robe. And then I found my class ring. Isn't that awesome? But, I won't do that. We'll do it right there. And so here is um, the robe. 
he says, I want you to bring the best. Yeah, that's good. I want you to bring the best robe for my son. Because the robe in that culture was a symbol of rest. Right? And they put it on the son. And we understand that the best robe in the house would have been his dad's. And so the father doesn't give him some old robe or some other kind of robe, but he gives him, right, his. I mean, how would it feel to be enveloped with your dad's robe? To realize that you don't have to run anymore. You don't have to prove yourself anymore to anybody. You don't have to strive anymore to be loved and accepted by me. And I'm guessing as he put that on, he must have got this feeling of that everything is going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. This is what being home feels like. And now the son can rest, right? Because there's security. Isn't it amazing when we feel secure in an environment that our anxiety goes down and we can rest and we can have freedom and enjoy and live life? The ring was a symbol of security throughout history. If you were in the presence of a king, you would what? Kiss his ring, right? Because it, it was symbolic of power. So presenting a ring to someone was a sign of being placed um, in the office of authority. So to everybody watching, when he placed that ring on his son's finger, he's saying he's part of the ownership of this uh, farm, of whatever else is going on. And so he's transferring, right, um, from the father to the son, all of his power and his authority, even to the son who was broke and penniless. And he took half of his inheritance and wasted it. And imagine the son looking at that ring with the robe on. Man, I just, I'm not going to be hungry again. You know, I'm going to be able to, um, to sleep. I'm never going to have to want for anything again. And so the ring sealed his identity and brought him, again, tremendous amount of security. Finally, the sandals. He has his robe on, his ring on his finger, and his dad says, bring the sandals, and he began to put them on his feet. And the sandals were a symbol of acceptance. You know, in an, in an ancient uh, Jewish home, the only people who would wear sandals in the house were the homeowners. The slaves and the servants were all barefoot. And so I imagine probably that the son came home shoeless. I mean, he came home, right, had to be just full of dirt and ragged and all of that. And from all outward appearances, probably looked 
more like a servant than a son? But when his father gave him the sandals, he was really, in essence, saying, welcome home. You're not a slave. You're not a servant. You're my son. And I want you to know that we are family. I mean, these three gifts that his dad gave to him told him the truth about his identity now as his son. He's not um, a stranger. He's not, uh, we used to call kids in our high school losers. He's not a loser. He's not a slave. He's not a hired hand. He is his son again. He's part of a family, and this is his new identity. I mean, when I look at my own life, right, we begin to, and you look at your own life, we begin to realize that, you know, that's me in essence. I mean, there's so many times that I've lived um, under this shadow of shame and regret and I've forgotten this true identity that I have as a son, as an adopted son of, of God. And I carry with me, like baggage, all these regrets. Regrets from years past of how I've treated my wife and girls and friends and people and all that. And even from regrets from yesterday and, and last week. And so there's many times where I don't feel worthy of God's love. But thanks be to God that it's not based on feelings. It's based on fact. And the fact is that Jesus came to this earth fully God and fully man, which is hard to explain, and lived his life perfectly, went to the cross obediently, died for your sins and for mine, was buried, and then conquered death, rose again, was seen by 500 or so people, and went to heaven. And based on that, I can know that when I place my faith in him, that I am a fully adopted son and a fully adopted daughter with all the rights and privileges that comes with that which to me is pretty incredible. And so maybe when you walked in this morning, you realize that you've lost your identity too. That's why even after we find our way home, we'll still need to come to this understanding, this realization, and it's really what today is all about, this awakening, this realization to love Because when we begin to understand the depth of this, it's when we begin to cast out or cast away or remove this shadow of shame or guilt and we realize that God loves me deeply after all, that God loves me deeply after all. No matter what I've done, no matter what I will do in the future, good or bad, he's not going to love me any more or less. I mean, it's absolutely at the pinnacle of his love for me is right now and tomorrow and the next day. And when we come to that understanding, when we awaken to love and when we um, come to live in this reality of our true identity is, 
is when we really become alive in him. There's an author called Brennan Manning who said it this way, and hopefully it'll be up on the screen. Define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is illusion. God's love for you and his choice of you constitute your worth. Accept that and let it become the most important thing in your life. And so here's our prayer for this week if you've been doing the 30-day challenge. God, if you are real, make yourself real to me. Awaken in me the awareness that I am your unconditionally loved child. And I just want to ask you this morning, do you know that? I mean, do you realize who you are right now? Do you understand that you are perfectly loved, that you are forgiven, that you're accepted? I mean, God, I believe, just like the father in the story longs for you to awaken to this understanding of his love for you. So my hope and my prayer is that when we walk out of here today, that every one of us will walk very confidently in the truth of our new reality. The road, right? We don't have to prove ourselves to anyone anymore. You can rest and know that you're home. The ring, you don't have to worry anymore. You don't have to be anxious. He promises to never leave you. You are safe in your home. There's security. The sandals, you don't have to feel alone anymore. You are unconditionally loved and you are home. And home is not only the Heavenly Father, but when you place your faith in Him instantaneously, right? You are surrounded by other brothers and sisters that are going to encourage and love on you very tangibly and very real. And so all throughout Scripture, and this is what we're going to end with, all throughout Scripture, we, we see reminders of this identity um, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. The, your past is your past. I mean, you are a new creation. And that's the reality that we live in. Here's the second verse, Ephesians 1.7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Romans 8.1, it says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I mean, that to me is an incredible truth, that you are not condemned. And so you can say goodbye to shame. And you can say, I'm finally home, and you can live out of that. Romans 8.39, Nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. And then Galatians 3.26, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. You are always going to be his child. And so as we journey forward, we need to push back these lies that Satan wants us to begin to believe about who God is, about who we are in him about what Jesus has done and about the hope that we have in heaven. We need to push those back and embrace the truth and the reality of what is true about us and what's true about God and what's true about what Jesus did and what's true about the hope that we have in heaven. Um, Henry Newen said this, every time you feel hurt, every time you feel offended or rejected, you have to dare to say to yourself, 
These feelings, strong as they may be, are not telling me the truth about myself. The truth, even though I cannot feel it right now, is that I am the chosen child of God, precious in God's eyes, called the beloved from all eternity, and held safe in an everlasting belief. When we begin to understand this awakening, this realization, it changes how we think about God. It changes how we think about ourselves. It changes how we look at other people. It changes who you are, and it changes how you feel. And I believe that you can stop saying, I don't deserve this, and begin to say, God loves me deeply after all. Here's what happens next in the story. The son and the dad, they're hugged. I'm sure there's tears. And the dad says, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He's lost and is found. And so they began to party. They began to celebrate. I mean, what does the dad do? He doesn't, you know, say, well, son, you should have done this. And points that finger and tries to shame him and all that. He doesn't do that. He just says, I'm so overjoyed that you're here and you've come home. So let's have a party. Let's celebrate. I mean, that just, we just miss that in our culture, don't we? And so that's what we want to do this morning. We want to throw a party. Baptism this morning is a very tangible and visible representation of what happens when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. It is when we go under, it's that dying to our old self. What we're saying is we're, this old self is no longer the life that I want to live. I'm saying yes to Christ and I'm washing all of that away. It's that part that I've tried to live, right? These longings apart from God. And then when we rise up out of that water, we are as an adopted son, as an adopted daughter. And we have this new self and we come alive. And we are publicly declaring our commitment to follow Jesus and live as that son and that daughter. And so I'm going to ask the three people that are being baptized this morning to come on up. And maybe you're here this morning, and this story of the prodigal son resonates with you. And you're ready to return to the Father. And my encouragement to you today is to come home. Or maybe you've been with, uh, you've said yes to him a while ago, but you've strayed. And, and maybe it's taken a while, some detours, and you've just never publicly um, said yes to him through baptism. I mean, I'm just saying you can take that step today, even though, you know, you haven't told me before. And we'll give you an opportunity to do that. I mean, we'd love to throw you a party this morning as well. We have um, Steve, and we have Michaela, and we have Nicole. And I'm going to ask, um, I'm going to, we, uh, Steve came to us a little bit later to tell us about this. Surprise to those of you who didn't know he was going to get baptized today, especially his wife. Um, <laughs> Steve, come on up here. And uh, we have, uh, Michaela, come up here too. We have uh, Michaela and Nicole's on video. 
And Steve, we're going to have him share. Uh, I need a, Travis, can you throw me a mic for Steve here? Don't throw it to me, just run it up to me. <laughs> but I want Steve to just to share his story for us a little bit. All right. Hi, my name's oh. Steve. Okay. <laughs> Go for it. My name's Steve Detloff. Um, it's only 152 pages, so. <laughs> my name is Steve Detloff. Okay. <laughs> it was just a joke because I'm nervous. <laughs> I have the shepherd's hook, so I'm ready. So I always grew up in a Christian home, very well raised, um, always knew about God and was taught about God, just never owned it as my own. Um, I just kind of followed what everyone else was doing and prayed and thought I was good. Um, 2007, I went to youth group for four years with uh, my wife and friends. Um, became saved on a missions trip. We went down to St. Vincent where... I was supposed to be sharing my testimony about how I became saved, and I don't think I actually was yet. Um, I just, when I prayed, I um, was just saying prayers that wasn't meaningful from my heart. Um, so the last five years, my wife and I have been at, um, I'm going to have to look down because I can't look up. Last five years, um, my wife and I have been coming to Finding Life. Um, been a huge impact. Um, been learning more about God. Um, and ever since the beginning of this year, um, I've just felt different, um, way more dependent on God and surrendering everything to Him. Um, we just have a lot coming up in the future for my family and I. Um, just with finances, future plans, everything that I want, I haven't been uh, surrendering that to God. I've just been saying, all right, these are the plans. If they don't work, then I might get frustrated or something. But now that I've just been surrendering it to God, I don't feel any worries or anything. Um, I've just been totally trusting in him and being completely dependent on God. And, yeah, Lauren just told me she's seen the last five years we've been married. These past four months is when the biggest impact she's seen. Um, everything seems easier and way less stressful, um, just being totally dependent and reliant on God. Um, yeah, so I've just surrendered everything completely and trying to be as comforting to Lauren as possible. Um, I just found, yeah, life is a lot easier, especially with prayer constant prayer and surrendering and total dependency. Um, so I just want to be baptized today to just show my, so Jesus is my Savior and Lord. All right, let's, let's watch these videos together. My name is Michaela Campbell. My parents are Heather and Seth. I like to listen to worship music when we're singing at church and when we are at um, 
when we're going to school or when we're in the car just singing or when I'm in um, when I'm in my bed and just listening to like a song like Amazing Grace. At school, I told them I'm getting baptized on Sunday and I have to tell them about what baptism is. And when I go to school, there's a little thing that we do for campus life. And that's where we learn about like, the gospel and about Jesus. And then we learn about him and do fun th other things. I want to be baptized so then everybody knows that uh, Jesus is in my, in my heart and, then, and that he also died for our sins and mine too. My name is Nicole. I've lived here in Omaha for the past nine years. I grew up knowing Jesus, but never feeling Jesus or being connected with Jesus. Um, I was in between parents' house and just never felt like I was wanted or belonged there. Um, I decided to leave my parents' house my dad's house and move away after high school. I was living in Kansas City and I just got caught up with the wrong group of people and just got super depressed and didn't want to live that life anymore and was ready to just come back to Nebraska and be closer to my family. I was working here in Omaha at 24 Hour Fitness when I met Richard and the kids. I got to know the kids a little before Richard and then we decided that we were going to start dating and there was good and bad times. Um, it was hard on me, it was hard on the kids and just there was a lot going on and I struggled and struggled and it brought me to a point that I just didn't know what to do anymore. I want to read something to you that I wrote. Three weeks ago, I was ready to give up on life, on my family, and on Jesus. I was upset one morning and knew that the only person that was going to be there for me and listen to me was Jesus. I drove to work that morning with a bag packed ready to leave my life I had known the past six years behind. I set my car, crying and praying and asking God, why am I here and what am I supposed to do? I know I need him and I know I want him to be my father. I want to be baptized today to show him and the world that I am his daughter and he is my father. Such incredible, incredible stories. You know, if you're a family, friends of either one of these three, and you want to come up on stage, that's fine. You can do that to support them. Steve is going to be first, then Michaela, and then Nicole. All right.
Steve, why don't you hop in? So Steve, um, <laughs> it's been incredible for my wife and I to get to know you and your wife and um, just seeing how you treat your wife and um, your son. And it's just amazing. And I, I loved hearing your story for the first time this morning. And it, I think it takes great bravery to, to say, and I know you had a concern that, well, I'm a little bit embarrassed because I should have done this a while ago. But I'm glad you're doing it now. And you are going to declare before your friends and family, and, and this is your extended family as well, that you are his son, right? So Steve, have you placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior and Lord? Okay. I'm going to baptize you now in the name of the Father and in the Son and the Holy Spirit. Kayla. <laughs> All right, Michaela, have a seat. Can you see her? <laughs> oh, man, it's so fun. It's so fun when someone, like a child, says yes to Jesus Christ. And it's been a joy to watch, Michaela. It's been a joy. It's been a joy to watch you. You're quiet, but you have a, such a tender heart, right? Such a tender heart. And it's so fun listening to your story at your house. I know your mom and dad are very proud of you. Yeah, and I loved hearing that you said you weren't afraid to tell your friends about Jesus, right? You weren't afraid to tell them about being baptized. Just keep that in your heart, okay? So, Michaela, have you placed your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Okay, I baptize you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to have her dad pray for her right now if you just want to come over here. I'll do my best. So Michaela's mom and I have uh, watched her grow up for a long time now. I guess all I can say is we're so proud. Uh, dear Lord, we just ask and we thank you for this child. Uh, we thank you for the struggles that she's gone through it's made her into the woman that she is and at 11 that's saying a lot of things I ask that you continue to work with her, in her to better us as a family to better me and her mom as parents and to better her sisters in their lives in Jesus name we pray Amen Give it up Steve, come over. We've got to pray for you, man. Lauren, did you want to pray for Steve?
That might go. Can you do that? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a sniffly mess. It's all right. God, thank you for Stephen and just putting him in my life. And um, thank you for all the work that you've done in his heart, especially recently. And thank you that um, he's just a leader for our family. And and it's just really cool to see you work in people's lives and to see that you really can change hearts and just all that you've done in his life. I just thank you for the choice that he made and just so thankful for him. In Jesus' name, amen. Nicole. All right, Nicole. I kind of got a front row seat to everything with my wife. She absolutely adores you. And uh, it's been so much fun hearing just your story and how, uh, just as you shared in the video, that God gripped your heart about three weeks ago. And you just knew that just wanted to come home, right, as we've been talking about, and you made that U-turn, and you said, I can't do this on my own, and this is real fresh for you, and you said yes to him, and I'm sure there's going to be challenges along the way, but you are saying, I can't do this on my own, and I want Jesus to be in my life, I want to be his daughter, right? Yes. Yeah, and it's been so much fun, I loved hearing your story again, and I'm excited to see as life continues for you and your family, how God is going to use you to um, impact his world. So, Nicole, have you placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior and Lord? Awesome. I baptize you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I think Rosemary is going to pray for Nicole. Lord, Nicole is such a blessing. Um, she is your daughter. She is made in your image. She is perfect. And Lord, I just pray that she will constantly be reminded of this day that she gave her whole body and her love to you today. Lord, I just pray that you continue to remind her that, yes, she can't do this alone, that, yes, she needs you. And, Lord, I just pray that she will always lean into you whenever she needs to and praise you whenever she needs to. And Lord, um, if she's having a bad, bad day, she can scream to you because you will listen. Lord, um, just always remind her about how precious and how loved she is in your eyes. Amen. Amen. All right, Finding Life Church. Man, I know you can be a little more rowdier than that, right? Come on now. <laughs> We're going to finish our morning by singing one of my favorite songs called No Longer Slaves. And during this song, um, I know that maybe there's someone here. I don't know if there is. But I want to give you the opportunity. Uh, if you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, even if it's just this morning, and you want to say, I want to publicly declare 
my love for him and who I am as a son and daughter, then I would welcome you to come up and we'll baptize you during this song. So I don't know if there's anybody there that wants to do that, but if you do, we have towels for you. We'll get you a t-shirt at some point. Um, So don't be afraid. Come up and talk to me. I'll be right over there. Let's sing.